Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. We're here to entertain you. We'll sing your song. Hey there. Are you obsessed with things that happened before your time? Well, if you are, join me, the host of Before My Time, Gelsey Laurie, to discuss the wonders of the yesteryears that we weren't around to enjoy ourselves. You can find us on all podcast platforms. Soon you'll be swaying, so come on, sing along. Hey, do you have an idea for a podcast but don't know where to start? Or do you have an already existing podcast that you want to take to the next level? Well, check out WeKnowPodcasting.com. From concept development to theme music to editing to logos, WeKnowPodcasting.com is a one-stop shop for all things pod. Don't hesitate to hit us up. We're very nice. Everybody and welcome to another episode of Horror Movie Night. This week we are talking about the Coven, and we're joined not by Kyle, but by one of my best LA friends, Ashley Victoria Robinson of the Geek History Lesson Podcast. Hello, welcome. I did this to you. <laughs> and as Scott wanted me to make sure that I presented some of the other options. Some of our other options were. A random episode of Dragula, which could have been fun. The Holy Mountain, Tenebrae, Halloween Town, and I don't even know how to pronounce this one. Osmodas? What, what is Ozymandias? No, it's, it's, Ozymand pronounced, it's pronounced Asmodeus. It's the what name of it? a it's the name of a demon in hell. It's also a truly dog shit horror movie in which I am the first girl who gets killed. Oh, <laughs> but it's not free. Oh. Listen, why didn't you tell us that you were in it? Because that would have been so much better than the Covenant. I don't. Uh. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> so round table real quick this was my third time seeing this movie what how many times was it for everybody else this was my second time seeing it i watched it two years ago in october i always do on my twitter like a spooky watch and i have like a list of 
things that have witches in them because witches are my favorite fictional thing and then like a list of things that people have recommended and if it's free somewhere i will watch it first no matter how bad it is and this was on netflix at the time man so this was my first watch and um I maybe I hated it so much because I love witches so much, mm-hmm. but it was just I think that it's not. I guess I didn't hate it. I just was like confounded the whole time. I could not believe my eyes because I knew Rennie Harlan was at the helm. It's mm-hmm. yeah. it's absolutely insane. Listen, Rennie Rennie Harlan's career is a lot of peaks and valleys, and this is definitely <laughs> one of the valleys. The way I put it was that this was like Rennie Harling presents the Lost Boys for the Mean Girls generation. Like as much as there's like I remember the advertising for this was like it's like the craft, but for dudes. But like it feels more like Lost Boys than it ever feels like a witch movie or a craft movie to me. Like it's just it's baffling. And I feel like it thinks that it's Tolkien. Like, I think that it thinks that it has this, like, rich back history, but, like, it's not. <laughs> it's more like Medichlorians. Like, it's just like, hey, here's some things. Just accept it, loser. They were like, like hey, <laughs> here is the only literary archetype besides the whore that we allow women to have. This one has moderately more power than the whore as an archetype. Let's take everything that we gave to women and give it to a bunch of white dudes. A couple white dudes who I actually like as performers, but still. <laughs> the performance in this, this feels like it was the precursor to something like Riverdale. Like, it is, like, so yeah. soap opera, so, yes. like, unsure of its tone. <laughs> like, it's it's a mess. This movie's a fucking mess. <laughs> I mean, and the special effects are... Not saving it either. That's just, you know, I was watching it and I'm looking, I mean, in the first two minutes I'm watching this and I'm thinking, when was this movie made? Because, so it was. It's big 1999 vibes. It is exactly 99 vibes. Yeah, well, it's, and it's kicking off with like a weird techno remix of White Zombie. Neither techno or White Zombie was popular in 2006. Yeah, it's, it's really, there are so many confusing things about this film. It just feels like it's timeless in the worst possible way. You know, like timeless is usually a compliment. It's not here. Well, oh, I also, there was part of me that's like, this has to have come out after Twilight, right? And I checked, and I'm like, no, this was two years before the Twilight movie. It was a year after the books, I guess. The fucking but, like, color grading was the, the, the <laughs> archetype for the uh, color grading in the Twilight series because yeah, that's everything what I mean. is it just blue. feels like it. Yeah, it's like this bluish hue. It's like, let's take a horror thing and make it sexy. Like, it's just a very straight. Everything about this is strange. But, Ashley, one of the things that you called out, <laughs> obviously, was like, hey, let's watch it because Winter Soldier's in it. I, which I is, didn't know is this true. movie existed before. I bet that Sebastian Stan wishes that this movie didn't exist Sebastian now. Sebastian Stan, on his Instagram, put a picture of him with no shirt on and was like, hey, this is on Netflix now. And I was like, dope. I will watch it. And then <laughs> Taylor Kitsch. I used to call Taylor Kitsch Taylor terrible gambit but he's since been good in very many other things like i don't feel like that's fair and i was like yeah watch it for him and then post having watched this dog shit i watched i started watching the expanse and steven Strait, who's the lead of this movie is also <laughs> the lead of the expanse and i had no idea and as i was watching the first season my husband was like that's the guy from the covenant and i was like i don't know man if you say so i don't remember <laughs> i remember like three things about this movie before i rewatched it yesterday 
It's the opening scene in the bar where one of they're also all such generically good looking white dudes. They are all interchangeable. One yeah. of them flips the girl's panties up and is, or skirt up and is like, she's now she didn't wear panties since she was twelve years old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then the Off fight. In the these barn. are our heroes. These are the heroes of our movie. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, like the mid aughts are like shockingly misogynistic and homophobic. If you like engage with, I've just started rewatching the the classic The Mole on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> hosted by Anderson Cooper. I, mean, I feel like we thought at the beginning of the millennium that we were like hella progressive and it's it's not the case if you look at the reflection in media. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's like one of those things where it's like, not that you give a pass, but like... Well, you meet it where it is, right? Like, you, Yeah, yeah, like the 70s, it's not an excuse, but it's an explanation. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't know any better. 2000s, we know better. Truly. <laughs> like, there's, no, there's no explanation or excuse at that point. Like it's just, yeah, that's probably, that shouldn't be there. That's very misogynistic. Well, I, and that has to be because the people that were at the helm of the projects were still stuck in the 70s mm-hmm. right like oh, for sure i've, I've said this before and i one day i'll write this article even though it is one of my favorite comedies of the 80s i still argue that there is a direct line from my parents generation watching caddyshack and voting for trump because like <laughs> who is trump if not the hero of that movie rodney dangerfield just like walking around loud and boisterous and taking down the snotty snotty rich people at the top for Man, two straight hours you know I, I hate to i don't know if it's causation or correlation but there's a certain guy that was part of my birth <laughs> that definitely has loved roddy dangerfield his entire fucking life <laughs> That's what... has a hard on for donald trump so the phrase part of my birth just it gives me the image of the doctor with like the baseball mitt just like ready to catch you as you're on your way out <laughs> i can't remember between my sister and i which which one of us wanted to be wanted to be in the world sooner but then there's a, i can answer the question of which one of us wants to be out of the world sooner so there's that <laughs> i want to talk about something you were talking about the bar scene you're talking about the the misogyny in that scene mm. The part where I thought that I may have been psychic and had opened up my third eye <laughs> is when is when I'm watching a movie from 2006 and a girl starts walking up to a jukebox and I'm like, what's she going to put on, like Joan Jett or some shit? And then all L-O-L. of a sudden, I love rock and roll starts playing and I'm like, that's the best you can do for a 2006 bar scene is a song from 1977. The, mo- like, the music they can afford to license always tells you how the movie is going. Yeah. Always, <laughs> without fail. Like, I, w- I just watched Finch, the Apple TV where Tom Hanks adopts a robot. And there was oh, yeah. so much cheap, affordable music in that. It was very strange. <laughs> Thinking back on this movie, where did the budget go? I know for a fact that that first scene on the beach, they had 200 extras that did it for free. They weren't paying extras. Tell you what, they weren't paying for the special effects because they look like garbage. They weren't paying any actors because none of these actors were were that well known at the time right like Taylor Kitsch honestly might have been their biggest get coming off of Friday Night Lights right yeah that's probably I it. mean he and was he was top billed and he's the the protagonist I guess so where did the money go if they couldn't spend it on anything except I Love Rock and Roll by John Jett well would you would you like to know what the budget is because I have it pulled up um, yeah, I, I wrote. It it, we all okay. wrote down how bad this budget is, but actually, you take the lead. Twenty million. 
I could make five of these movies for $20 yeah. million dollars <laughs> with, honestly, a better script. <laughs> for comparison, I just decided to do this real quick. They could have made 2015's The Witch five times for the budget that I was they put into this movie. just looking up how much they spent <laughs> on The Witch because that is like a perfect movie. No one in it is a soup. It's the thing that makes Anya Taylor-Joy a star. And it actually has like something interesting to say about witches. So I love The Witch. And I was reading an article about how much the director and the dad hated the goat <laughs> because Black Phillip was the unintentional star of the movie and Robert Eggers hates it. Well, goats are assholes, so. <laughs> yeah, but also he was either sleeping or being insane and he broke the dad's ribs in one scene and they were going to, in the, the fight scene, they were going to have an animatronic version of Black Phillip to make it like easier on the actor and the animatronic didn't work. They, they did like two or three different sizes. None of them looked right. And so he just had to fight Black Phillip for real. He broke his ribs. I also love the idea that the director of The Witch was like, this fucking goat. I'm not working with goats anymore. For my next movie, I'm going to work with 300 seagulls instead. <laughs> yep. Far more manageable, I guess. I mean, more shit, <laughs> less attitude, right? <laughs> oh, man. I don't know if that's true at all, though. <laughs> I don't either. I've never worked with any animals except for... I mean, I've never worked on a movie, so how would I know? But I've never worked with any trained animals. All my dogs are fairly untrained. Uh, but they do poop outside, and they've never broken any of my ribs. Yet. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's always tomorrow. I there's mean, the always North, later on the Northman today. is right around the corner, so there's still lots of time for someone else to get injured <laughs> via an animal. Um, but also, if if people have not seen the tragedy of Macbeth, Ralph Innocent, who plays the dad and the Green Knight and the Green Knight, is one of the first characters that you meet in that. And he's really, really excellent for maybe four minutes of screen time. So check that out. There's also yeah, witches I, I, in it. <laughs> yeah, I was I was super stoked to see that, and it came to like a small indie theater in my city, and had every intention of going, and then just didn't. And now it's like, well, let's watch it. Oh, but we're watching Witcher. Uh, let's watch it. Oh, we're watching Boba Fett. Like it's just, we'll get there. You know, I guess it's on the list. I I really want to watch it, but it's also one of those movies where you have to sit down and watch it all in one sitting, which I'm not good at. Uh, a lot of times I like to watch movies in two sittings because I get antsy after 45 minutes. So you loved this is what you're saying. <laughs> yes, yes, This was exactly. a nice short. Yeah, yeah. So this movie felt like a two and a half hour epic, though. <laughs> so this movie has a 4% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Too generous. And it yeah. made $17 million over its budget in, in theaters. Yeah. And it sold yeah. a million and a half units in DVDs, which is, I mean, like, it was number one in the box office on opening weekend. I mean, I'm wondering if, if it was literally the only movie that it weekend. was. So so I read a little bit about that because it was number one at the box office, but it also only made eight million that weekend. So it's like kind of one of the things where I think million. it was. Well, like, look, I'll take eight million dollars any day. But like usually your number one movie in the box office, especially in 2006 before streaming was the norm is a lot higher than fucking eight million dollars that it was bringing in. So it definitely was like dropped in a dead zone box office wise. It was released September 8th, so Oh, that's yeah. weird. I would have thought it would have been a January release with that kind no, of No, they do, they only do that to scream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Except that the first scream came out like Christmas Day or some yeah, it did. crazy shit. It doesn't make any sense. The releases of the Scream movies and them never being in October is the most baffling shit in my entire mind. Uh, so I just watched the first Scream movie and I watched it the same way I watched The Covenant in 36 parts on YouTube. <laughs> oh, <laughs> nice. Wow. 
because I didn't want to pay for either of them. <laughs> I actually saw it opening weekend in theaters because part of that eight million is thanks to you. <laughs> yeah, it's the two thousand two thousand six was peak. Matt Kelly is in college and just going to a movie every Friday with his friends. So we went and saw this in theaters, and then the next year I was working at a video store, and like every time that you worked at the video store, you would get the next week's releases a week early. They were like, watch it so you have fresh memories of it for when people ask for recommendations. And I was like, well, I kind of remember this being bad, but sure, let's watch it again. And I was like, yep, that's as bad as I remembered it being the first time I saw it. Glad I never have to watch that again, Ashley. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm assuming Matt went and read the IMDb trivia, right? There was a lot more than I was expecting for this movie. There was Ashley, a lot of trivia, you... but it was a lot of trivia that said nothing. Like the only noteworthy trivia piece that I read was that Sebastian did all of his own stunts. But then I was like watching the movie and I'm like, yeah, but most of his stunts is like pretending to be a Power Ranger being attacked by invisible things. Like Matt, I feel like of anybody that's ever been on this show, you of all people should know how difficult it is to play Power Ranger. No, I mean, for sure. It was a, it was a scarring moment of my life. But so th this, is, this is kind of the kind of stuff that we're glossing over from the IMDb trivia then. Things like, Caleb's last name is Danvers. Danvers is the name of a city in northeastern Massachusetts, only 10 miles from Ipswich, where this movie is set. Danvers is also the modern name of Salem Village, the real center of the so-called Salem Witch Hysteria of 1692-93, to which also included Ipswich. And then in parentheses, 80 of 82 people found this interesting, which <laughs> yeah. just boggles my mind. So the writer had a map. Maybe he was just a Supergirl fan. Like. Yeah, like it could, or it's that. I was waiting for that to be like, because as I was scrolling through the trivia, it was getting more and more of like over, it's like just too much of a stretch. Yeah, like it was just like, I don't care. Like I was waiting for the th like, because then you get the ones where it's like this actress and this actress both appeared in She's All That. Matt, it wasn't She's All That. It's She's the Man, which also came out in 2006. To set anybody's fears to rest, no spiders were harmed in the making of this film. But also when the doctor is talking about Kate, uh, it's like she's bitten by hundreds of insects like spiders. Spiders aren't insects and a medical doctor should know that. This is also an IMDb trivia that 18 out of 18 people found interesting. But, you know, I think what this movie lives and dies by are its, its quips. Please tell me you have a list of faves. Oh, of course I have faves. It's <laughs> Harry Potter can kiss my ass. And then I'm going to make you my weatch, which is the dumbest line <laughs> of any movie we've discussed in years on this show. But I thank you so much, Ashley, for bringing it to my life. I, I do want to say that in a world where we Harry Potter would have been like at the height of its powers in 06. Yes. Yes. Now that we're in like a post, we know she's a turf and a horrible human person. Like truly, Harry Potter can kiss my ass. Yeah. <laughs> so the, they got something right. <laughs> my also like hottest of takes of all movies, which I can't believe is like is a hot take, is that none of those movies are good and we're no, never good. <laughs> no, they're bad. People will fight me on it. <laughs> I didn't read Harry Potter for a really long time. And my friend gave me all the books to read. And I would read the book and watch the movie, read the book, watch the movie. And every time I'm like, well, that was a terrible adaptation. Well, that was shit. Yeah. Well, that was boring. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like, I think I'd rather watch The Covenant. Yeah, I agree. Because it's only 90 minutes and it's over with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, people think that liking Harry Potter is a... Uh, 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 a personality? A, a personality trait? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not a personality. There are wizard fests and shit mm -hmm. everywhere. I, it drives me wild because it makes me feel like a hypocrite. Because I'm like, 
I don't like that fandom, but I feel like a hypocrite because I love horror and I love comic books, and I would easily go to a horror convention or a, or a comic book convention. I would be more of a normie at either of both either of those events than like a hardcore like let me freak out when I meet a creator of something I love. But at the same time, why am I yucking someone's yum? I've never been in a better position to tell this one Harry Potter story, so I'm going to tell. So I <laughs> got I got really into Wizard Rock when when that was a thing where you had fans <laughs> would form and dresses the characters from the books and like write Harry like Potter? Punk, yeah, like and write There's punk a whole rock songs. Musical yeah. too. There's a whole yeah. thing about it. So like there was Harry and the <laughs> Potters. So it was I just thought it was super funny. There was Harry and the Potters and it was these two brothers who literally looked like Harry Potter, so they formed like an indie rock band and just wrote songs about the books. But then their friend formed a rival band called Draco and the Malfoys, and he would write songs <laughs> like My Dad's Rich and Your Dad's Dead, and it was just like these really like antagonistic songs. And then, like, between those two bands, it just exploded into this world of, like, 60 bands. And one of the kind of better ones was this group called the Whomping Willows that wrote songs from the perspective of a tree outside of the school, just, like, seeing everything happening. And my friend Jess and I were really into this music, and we saw that the Whomping Willow was playing a free show in Delaware. And we're like, yo, we've got to go to this. It's a free <laughs> show. Like, this will be great. So we get the address. I pick her up. We're driving to this show. And we end up in an apartment complex and we're like, what is happening? But we're like, all right, we've come this far. Let's figure it out. Like we thought it'd be at like a library because they would usually do free shows at libraries to promote reading. <laughs> it was in someone's apartment? We knock on the door and the door opens and there's the guy who's the who's the performer, Whomping Willow, just sitting at a <laughs> at a kitchen table and like 13-year-old girls and then me and my friend Jess who are like pushing 30. And we're like, oh no, uh, we're here for the show. <laughs> I don't know what's more sus about this. You two 30 year olds going to a wizard rock show in some dude's apartment or 13 year old girls going to some adult man's oh, wizard no, no, no. rock show. The 13 year old, it was the 13 year old, one of the 13 year old girls apartments. Like. They asked their mom if they could book the Whomping Willow in the apartment, and the mom was like, because I heard the whole story from the mom who I chose to sit closest to, because they were way closer oh, to my age than the rest of the attendees of this show. But yeah, I remember when we left, we left with the Whomping Willow, because he was like, I ain't staying there. He's like, <laughs> he's like, I didn't know what I was stepping into. It was a weird night, but then, you know, it's At a memory that I still hold on to. Uh, and, <laughs> like, and listeners... I want you to know that this is how by the covenant is we're not talking about this movie. Yeah, we, well, Listen, I mean, we've spent a lot of time on the covenant. We talked yeah. about the best lines. We talked about Sebastian Stan topless. Yeah. I mean, what more do you need in a movie, yeah. right? I watched this movie, but I don't think I actually saw this movie any of the <laughs> times that I was <laughs> sitting in front of the screen because it just kind of washed over me. Like it was just like, yeah, this is happening. Sure. Um, Oh wow! There's 20 minutes left. I didn't even know that we were past Act Two yet. Like this still feels like all set up. Now you understand how I watch film. Yeah, that, that's literally me. I just exist, and it exists in front of me. I'm not like critically thinking about. The, I mean, I guess I am. I'm I'm being facetious, but like so much of the stuff that we discuss on here, I'm just like, yep, yep, that's happening. <laughs> Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. 
Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Pass to Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. We're here to entertain you. We'll sing your songs. Hey there. Are you obsessed with things that happened before your time? Well, if you are, join me, the host of Before My Time, Gelsie Laurie, to discuss the wonders of the yesteryears that we weren't around to enjoy ourselves. You can find us on all podcast platforms. Soon you'll be swaying, so come on, sing along. week on the One Hit Thunder podcast, we welcome a special guest to come take a deep dive into a One Hit Wonder artist with us. And together, we decide if that artist brought the One Hit Thunder or was nothing more than a One Hit Blunder. You can find One Hit Thunder anywhere that you listen to podcasts. So hit that subscribe button and join in on the fun each week. Ashley, we do a segment on the show where we decide what's our double feature. What would be the movie that if you, let's say it's 2006, you're at the Blockbuster, you you grab the Covenant and you're like, I'm going to rent something else with this movie. Mm-hmm. What's, the, what's the other, what's the double feature you're popping in? Well, I'm from Canada, so it's much more likely a Rogers video than a Blockbuster. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> but it's so easy. Like, you pair this with the craft to scrub this out of your brain after, or because you are, over the course of watching the craft, which is excellent, consuming your intoxicant of choice, which then makes the covenant bearable. So it's super easy, <laughs> super basic choice, but... I think that's the move. Yeah, that, that male gaze on male body of Sebastian Stan, because there's no female gaze in this movie. No, which like that's cool. I'm good with that. <laughs> I mean, you are in the minority. Then um, I mean, I'm not saying that Sebastian Stan isn't a gorgeous dude. I stand Sebastian Stan. What I'm saying is that this movie fails so many tests. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I was originally gonna go with She's the Man because it was uh, released the same year and it also also features Laura Ramsey and Jessica Lucas, who are both in The Covenant. Also, Matt, have you been calling it The Coven or The Covenant? I just kind of make sure that I get done the word as quickly as possible, so I've been trimming it short. I mean, it's fine. <laughs> Look, here's here's a little tip for everybody who watches any of the videos that I do voiceover for on Geekscape TV. You'll know when I don't know how to pronounce a word because I will say it as quickly as possible so that it just moves on to the next word of the sentence. Honestly, not a bad move. Actually, Matt knows how to play to his strengths so well. That's just really <laughs> like the ultimate compliment that I can give Matt Kelly, and that's not a diss at all. I love that that people will be like, your podcast is too short. I'm like, do you want to know yeah, what it you really don't, sounds yeah, like? You don't want that hour, baby. I'm telling you. Someone right now is screaming into their phone that they were like, I do want it. <laughs> well, hey, if you want it, you can get it by joining our Patreon because That's if right. you join the, what is it? The, it's the $15 tier. You $15 get the, tier, the unedited get the, videos. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah. I don't even see that. Anyway, so I was going to pick She's the Man, but I'm going to go with... Ashley's vibe really I want that to be my my vibe as well so um, it's 2006 
and I'm at Blockbuster or, you know, like Family Video, whatever it is in, in Ohio in, in 2006. And I'm like, you know, I need another craft ripoff. Yeah. So I'm going to go with a movie that I've mentioned previously, actually in the last couple of months, Little Witches. I mean, maybe it'd be worth a dollar if you're doing three do- three movies for three days for $3, that deal. Even then, uh, you're not going to get that hour and 20 minutes back. And I already mentioned it once before, but when I was watching this movie, the very opening scene, you've got these three dudes standing on a cliff, throwing themselves off of a cliff to go to a party at the beach. And I immediately was like, I'd rather be watching The Lost Boys right now. So I think I would just put on the lost boys at that point (laughs) moving into our final segment ashley we also like to promote or warn people about things that we've seen recently that we think they should absolutely check out or avoid at all costs so what is something in the the crazy goofy world of geek history lesson or just the life of ashley victoria robinson that you've seen read (laughs) etc that you think people should either check out or stay away from uh, this is so easy. So uh, our episode on Peacemaker, and I said, I could teach that. That'll be fine. So I read all the Peacemaker comics. There's not that many. And he has one solo series by DC Comics. He has an early one by Charlton Comics um, in the 80s, 1988. And it's so racist that the the international terrorist villain is like an ambiguously east asian fu manchu guy and they color him orange Ooh. i didn't know anything about peacemaker before i went in except i'd seen it in a meme that said something that isn't racist but feels racist and if you dig far enough back he racist so i'm just gonna like disavow any and all peacemaker things i haven't seen the show yet i do like there's an eagle on the poster but don't the, just stay away from the comics they're very bad <laughs> All right. I try to center my what did I watches or recommendations around something that everyone can maybe join in the conversation for. So I have a podcast recommendation real fast. And then I finally saw like the the movie event of the year uh, of last year, I guess. I have a friend, America Young, who is part of this fantastic podcast called Undiscovered Scripts, where they basically find scripts that will probably never, ever get produced. And they get a bunch of actors together and a Foley team and do like a radio play of the script. And the first episode that they did was on a script called Back to Back to the Future about a kid named Marty whose parents met at the premiere of Back to the Future. And he accidentally travels back in time and ruins the production of Back to the Future. So he has to get everything back on track. Otherwise, he will cease to exist because his parents won't be able to go see the premiere of Back to the Future the following year. That's (laughs) so cute. It's such a fun premise. So highly recommend that. And then a little late to the party, but somehow avoided spoilers the entire time. Saw Spider-Man No Way Home, cried a whole lot. Really proud of Andrew Garfield, who I literally talked about like yes. a couple weeks ago with Tick, Tick, Boom, like Andrew Garfield renaissance happening right now, and I'm all for it. It was one of those movies where so many people were praising it that I'm like, it can't be that good. And then was like, oh, it is. This is pretty damn good, actually. So big fan of hot take. Big fan of Spider-Man No Way Home. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Way to be the outlier there, man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I will be the outlier on it. I have the same opinion of uh, Spider-Man No Way Home that I have of Endgame. It's not a movie. It doesn't function like a movie. It doesn't achieve the goal of a movie. It is a clip show that relies on you having 20 to 30 plus years of experience with the brand and the franchise that doesn't make it not a good time. (laughs) 
<laughs> I love Andrew Garfield. Is, He's yeah. That's why. But yeah, some people can't get into it because they they'd have to watch. 200 hours of it's, film. It's not even that, right? I've Like, I've seen all the spiders, and I, I'd seen all the Marvel movies, but I think that's an unfair expectation to put on, like, anyone who was not actively watching movies in, like, 2001. Like, I have a 13-year-old cousin who was like, should I see Spider-Man? I was like, I don't know, fam. Like, watch the animated one. Because um, I don't know if you'll get anything out of it if you have it, if you don't have that history, right? Like, I mean, the people saying it's better than Spider-Verse are fucking crazy. Like, I've yeah, seen people oh, that put it ahead of Spider-Verse, and I'm like, y'all are nuts. Like, I, don't, I don't even think it's the best Spider-Man movie. Like, no. I still think two raises head and shoulders above every other Sam Spider-Man Raimi. movie. Yeah. <laughs> Along with what Matt was saying, this is actually perfect timing. I just watched Eternals because it came out on Disney Plus for streaming and I was not going you. to go see that in theaters. It's very pretty, but I could not give less of a shit about anybody in it, like any of the characters. And actually, I, I mean, I, I don't know really much about the Eternals. I never really I was very heavily into the mutant and horror arm of so 90s Jack Marvel. Kirby wanted to write Thor and pitch Thor to Marvel, and they said no, thank you. So Jack Kirby scraped it off, put new names on it, went to DC, and said these are the new gods. And they said great, and then no one bought it, and they said no, thank you. So then Jack Kirby went back across the street to Marvel, scraped the names off, and called them Eternals. But like, it's a copy of a copy of a copy. And anyone who is old enough to have done that, you realize how it degradates over time. Like, there's one good New God story. It's the J.R.J.R. and Neil Gaiman one, and it's still not very good, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't like New Gods at all. I like DC stuff, but I really only gravitate towards, like, the cheesiest cheese from the 80s or all of the Alan Moore stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, like, literally, that's all I care about from DC. But, like, Eternals never really... I never gravitated to any of the, none of the cosmic stuff really did it for me except when Dazzler was the Man, she, she was dudes the love Dazzler. Of <laughs> I had knew nothing about Dazzler and then I was in later elementary school went to an antique store with my mom and find these troves these treasure troves of 80s Marvel comics so I'd like grab them up and like I read all of Dazzler I read all of Amethyst Princess of Gem oh World that was DC <laughs> Alpha Flight a bunch of what ifs a bunch of you know like X-Men annuals and stuff have, like that I have the whole but, Alpha Flight team of Marvel Legends like right over there <laughs> <laughs> see and I I liked I liked Alpha Flight until I understood about the brother sister yeah, yeah, yeah. and I was nah 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 no more for me <laughs> but anyway so I found like the first 20 issues of Dazzler and I read them and I was like the reason I loved mutants was because I loved their how weird and wacky their power sets would be because like Generation X was just the best thing ever but I love Dazzler's power set because it was like she can turn sound into light and super super cool power set and that's why I like Dazzler not because I was attracted to Dazzler it was because I liked I was attracted to Dazzler's power set that's what you tell yourself Scott I appreciate it <laughs> are you no, one of those people who's like no I don't think comic book people are hot I <laughs> know uh, because Zatanna is my ultimate. <laughs> I went on a date with a guy once right. who told me that, and I was like, "But you're lying." <laughs> <laughs> but then you married him anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Ashley, thank you so much for joining us. I hope you had as much fun as we did, despite the movie. I suggested it. So this is really my fault. I did this to you. I am the woman. I am wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, no, no, not on horror movie night, my, my friend. 
Well, where can people go to check out all of your different things? Because beyond the podcast, you have an incredible Instagram presence that I think people should be oh, subscribing to your page. Thank you. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Ashley V Robinson. The V is very important. Ashley Robinson is a WNBA player. I don't want to fight for <laughs> SEO because she is taller than me. But if you know her, I'd like to meet her. So you could like hook us up and that'd be super dope. Uh, you can find my podcast, Geek History Lesson, everywhere we're fine podcasts are had. Matt has been a guest. So go and check out that our episode on best horror movie villain i can't remember exactly yeah, what it was we like called top, it. our top five horror movie villains i, I talked about black yeah. philip in it so we get back to the witch conversation <laughs> right, in that right. episode uh and we just launched a blog so if you go to geekcasterlesson.com slash blog uh you can read all of our written content that's kind of supplemental to either news or what is coming out again this is going to timestamp when we recorded this but uh i just wrote a piece about why andrew garfield's the best spider-man and it's not just because he's the hottest one and also comics there's always <laughs> comics coming out of yes. the geek, geek history lesson world as well yes those are not my comics but on that spinner rack our um, award losing series jupiter jet and our award losing <laughs> graphic novel science the elements of dark energy um, are available for purchase you can go to my website ashleyvictoriarobinson.com slash shop uh, and buy signed copies there and then um, depending on when this is coming out there's going to be new super best friend and new aurora and the eagle this year in printed colored version so lots of stuff coming out you just gotta follow me and then you'll like get all the information and like whatever not a big deal and a serotonin boost so it's really a win I hope so there's definitely commenters who would say the opposite <laughs> <laughs> well we're real humans instead of some random fucking bot on Instagram and we can say that you you give us the serotonin <laughs> Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. We're here to entertain you. We'll sing your songs. Hey there. Are you obsessed with things that happened before your time? Well, if you are, join me, the host of Before My Time, Gelsey Laurie, to discuss the wonders of the yesteryears that we weren't around to enjoy ourselves. You can find us on all podcast platforms. Soon you'll be swaying, so come on, sing along. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.